Next, ReachMD's special series, Focus on Diabetes. This month, we're taking an in-depth look at diabetes, the disease now affecting nearly 1 in 10 Americans. Tune in all this month for the latest research, treatments, and prevention methods to gain new insights for your practice. We all know that exercise is crucial in the successful management of diabetes, but how do you actually get patients to do it? Welcome to our special series, Focus on Diabetes. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunn, author of You Can Think Like a Psychiatrist, your host, and with me today is certified diabetes educator, Jeannie Diaz. Ms. Diaz is also certified in childhood and adolescent weight loss management through the American Dietetics Association, and she is a certified personal trainer. She works at the Humphreys Diabetes Center in Boise, Idaho, which began in 1987 as a two-person department and has grown to a freestanding, not-for-profit regional diabetes center with a staff of 25, two full-time permanent sites, and two part-time sites. Over 500 local physicians refer patients to the center, resulting in the education of more than 3,000 patients annually. Welcome to ReachMD. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Jeannie, you really are in a unique position as both a certified diabetes educator and a personal trainer. Tell us about your work in these areas. Well, as a diabetes educator, I learned very early on that exercise is a very important component in getting people to control their blood sugars and to lose weight to help manage diabetes. And I have a very personal interest in fitness and exercise. So I took the extra initiative to become a certified personal trainer. So I really try to use my own experience with exercise in trying to help people find a exercise or an activity that's going to fit for them, that's going to help them to be able to do that activity or, or exercise for a lifetime. Now, of course, the million-dollar question is, how do you get patients to exercise regularly? That is definitely the million-dollar question. Um, I think a lot of that, again, too, is we look at the two reasons, that main reasons that most Americans don't exercise. One is time and the other is motivation. And I think some of the recent studies that are coming out that are showing that the small bouts of exercise, the 10 to 15-minute bouts of exercise multiple times a day are as effective as the longer bouts of exercise of 45 minutes to 60 minutes is a very inviting thing to patients that have a hard time getting started. So you can tell them you can do three 10-minute walks a day and you're still going to be good. So most people can find a way to work that into their lifestyle or at least think about it rather than thinking about 60 minutes that they have to block out and do something and sweat for 60 minutes. The other thing, motivation, trying to get them again to set goals or to find ways to see that they're improving. And I think one of the most excellent ways of getting patients to do that is to wear a pedometer so that they can see actually in the beginning how active am I in a usual day? And most people will think they're much more active than they are. And, of course, the recommended amount of steps per day is 10,000, which is equivalent to five miles cumulative in a day. So when they find out that, oh, I'm only doing 2,000 steps a day or so, it's a good thing to help them to set goals for then week to week trying to improve and increase on that. So those two things a lot of times can help get people to be more open to start exercise. Now, is there any new research in this area? Well, I think there's research all the time that just continually shows us that when people exercise, they become more insulin sensitive, 
their insulin works more efficiently, they need less medication or they need less insulin. So I don't know that there's specifically any brand new research that shows anything different than what we continuously have told patients is that the more lean your body is, the more muscle that you have, the better controlled your diabetes will be. And so I guess maybe a little bit new in that area from years past would be also trying to really incorporate resistance exercise in with aerobic activity because I think most of the time people think of exercise as always just being aerobic, but particularly for people with IBS, it's very important to do that resistance exercise too in order to build the muscle to become more insulin sensitive and less insulin resistant. So resistant exercises like weightlifting? Yeah, it can be weightlifting or using bands, those resistant bands, or yoga, Pilates. It doesn't have to be. People think resistance exercise, you know, going into the gym and lifting really, really heavy weights, and actually we discourage people from getting into really super heavy weightlifting, but light weightlifting and the resistant bands and those other things are wonderful resistance exercises that most people can do and benefit from building some muscle mass. So what do you tell patients in terms of proportion? What proportion cardio? What proportion resistance exercise? Generally, we look at suggesting about three to five days a week doing aerobic activity, two to three of resistance exercise per week. So it's probably about two-thirds aerobic, one-third resistance. I read yesterday, actually, that even just being fidgety can burn a significant amount of calories a day. (laughs) Yes, that's true. If sitting in your chair, if you're just moving your feet or tapping your fingers, that can burn more calories. We sit so much in front of the computer or with whatever we do every day. You can also, a couple times a day, do an exercise where you just extend one of your feet and uh, start tracing the ABCs with your feet, which is a way of again, expending more calories, but also getting the blood flowing in your extremities and just getting more movement during the day when you're just sitting there. Or just trying to get up every half an hour and do some kind of movement out of your chair. And we suggest to people, if you're working in an office setting and you can use a bathroom on a different floor with the excuse of using the stairs, or if you can use a copier that's further down the hall from you than the one closest, any way to accumulate more steps, more activity during the day without actually having to change anything in your workday. It's just going a few minutes out of your way to add a little bit more activity into what you're doing. Yeah, we always tell our patients to park the very farthest away instead of waiting for the closest parking space. Exactly. And I always tell people, too, then when you go shopping, you know, we always take our cart usually out to the car and then we leave it in the parking lot. But if you take it from the car and walk it back into the store, then you get that extra walking. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, your host, and with me today is certified diabetes educator Jeannie Diaz. We are discussing fitness and diabetes. So these little tips don't seem so intimidating to patients, I'm assuming. Correct. And I think sometimes that's where a lot of people start. I think one of the patients that sticks out in my mind the most over the 13 years that I've been here is that he decided that the way he was going to start his exercise program was just to not use the TV remote anymore. So when he wanted to change the channels, he had to get up and do it manually. And that seems like so odd to us in in this age that we use 
the remote so second nature, but if you're changing channels and you're sitting in a chair at a distance from the TV and you get up and do it a lot, that can be adding up a lot of movement that you didn't do before. So when you can sort of negotiate with a patient on something that they are willing to do and then they have success with that and they see that they're having success and then just build on that. So it's kind of, again, just like we were talking before, bit by bit, small goals at a time and then resetting them frequently as they reach their goals. I suppose that would probably only work with men though, right? Women don't change the channels as much. (laughs) (laughs) I I think the reason it worked so well for him because we all know that men channel surf, right? And so he was up very frequently to change the channel. It's true, but seriously, if you think about the cultural context, I know I was in Europe this summer and walking is just a way of life there where here sometimes people you know, look at you like you're a freak if you're walking someplace. Exactly. I I know my parents just got back from Italy and they were showing me pictures and, you know, the streets are so narrow over there that they can't really accommodate cars in the smaller cities. And so they were telling me that they just walked everywhere and that they walked so much. And I think that's one of our biggest problems in this country is that we're so dependent on, on our vehicles. And another lady shared with us in one of our classes that one thing that she did whenever she was driving into her subdivision with her husband was that she would have him drop her off at the entrance to the subdivision and she would walk from the entrance to their house. So that was just rather than take the car right all the way to the house, one way of increasing her exercise for the day. So thinking about walking or riding a bike instead of taking the car, and and it should be even more motivating factor now that gas prices are where they are uh, for people to do alternate types of transportation, which is feet and using your bike. And it just might be good for the environment, too. Absolutely. (laughs) Now, most of our listeners, Jeannie, are primary care physicians that don't have much time when they're seeing a patient. How can they help with this? Well, I think they can mention some of those things that you were talking about. Just encourage them, park farther away from the entrance to the store, take the stairs, anything to increase their activity, and then again to refer them to get education from an expert. And just one word of caution is a lot of people think, well, maybe the way to do that is through a gym or a fitness center, and there are some very excellent ones out there that would be great for that. But to be sure that if you're working with somebody in a gym setting that they're aware of some of the special needs for people with diabetes, but just encourage them, the physician, to encourage their patients to get some good advice on how to start a safe exercise program. Are there any resources that can help our listeners who would like to learn more? Well, there's our website at www.hdiabetescenter.org. They can go there and uh, look at information about different classes that we have, um, programs that we have to offer them to get education about exercise and fitness or nutrition, whatever it is that their need is in diabetes. hdiabetes.org. H diabetescenter.org. Ah, hdiabetescenter.org. Mm-hmm. Good thing I asked. Now, Humphreys is such an amazing resource for us here in Idaho. Are there centers similar to Humphreys in other parts of the country? There are. The thing about Humphreys that's unique, though, is that we are the only freestanding diabetes center west of the Mississippi. So all other diabetes centers in the country are affiliated with a doctor's office or connected to a hospital or and somehow related to some other entity. And we are our own corporation. We are freestanding. So we're a very unique situation. We have over 500 physicians that refer to us. So 
I think we're pretty lucky in the Treasure Valley to have that resource. So hopefully physicians out there will continue to take advantage of us. Many of them already are, but if they don't know about us and they are frustrated about what to do with their patients that don't want to exercise or manage their diabetes, they'll refer them over to us. So being freestanding, you probably don't have to be parties to turf battles from one hospital to the next, huh? We try to avoid that because we actually are very lucky in the fact that we are supported by both St. Al's and St. Luke's. So it's a joint effort on the part of both hospitals. They came together to support this center because they both believe that it is an important thing that our community has as a resource for people with diabetes to come and learn how to live healthy with diabetes. So perhaps our listeners elsewhere in the country can use this as a model. That's true. They can. Well, I'd like to thank our guest today, Jeannie Diaz. We have been discussing fitness and diabetes. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt. You've been listening to our special series, Focus on Diabetes, on ReachMD, a channel for medical professionals. We welcome your questions and comments. Please visit us at reachmd.com. Our new on-demand and podcast features will allow you to access our entire program library. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to this month's special series, Focus on Diabetes. For a program guide and complete list of shows, please visit us at ReachMD.com.